if you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate. For as little as $1 per month, you'll gain exclusive access to the Loud Pipes after show, The Downshift, as well as other content and sneak peeks available only to our supporters. Even $1 goes a long way, and we truly appreciate your support. Better yet, come ride with us. Step up to $5 a month and receive an invitation to the monthly video hangout and the Riders of Loud Pipes private social network. Hang out in the clubhouse with other riders, chat with us on show topics, and so much more. You want free swag? Select the barbershop level, and we'll send you a free t-shirt and an annual swag bag. Loudpipes.net slash donate. It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from R-Dub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located. Here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. Loud Pipes, episode 75. As promised, we have the interview with Justin Webster to play this evening. He is the owner and and soul wrench at J Webster Designs, and you may know the name as the winner from Wrench Against the Machine, episode four. Let's bring in a little support for our sad brother down to the south, Mr. Hogan. How are you, man? Hey, man. <laughs> Cheer up. Come on, buddy. <laughs> what you doing? What happened, brother? Did your dog die or something? Yeah, it kind of it kind of <laughs> did. <laughs> Uh, Man, I, I spent like the last two hours trying to get my Mac up, my Mac up, <laughs> uh, my my Bluetooth keyboard to connect to my Mac, and I give up two hours later, and here I am using my phone to do the show tonight. Well, we're we're glad you're here, regardless of how you're connected. We are so glad you're able to join us. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm feeling a little down because I wasn't able to be set up in my studio, but whatever. Well, let's see if we have some good audio to cheer you up. And what always helps for me, do you have a beverage? Oh, yeah. I'm drinking an extra strong rum and coke tonight. (laughs) Oh, do I? (laughs) Oh, do I? (laughs) All right. First one. Second. Uh, This this will count as three when it's all said and done. Oh, brother. Oh. Johnny John, TD, Thunderstroker, traveling partner. Anything else? Spider Silk? How you doing, buddy? Well, man, I'm well. I'm doing good. I'm glad Rico has joined us. We had to we had to pry him out of his, you know, his sad, deprived self over there with his dog. Yeah, I was in. A, I'm in a slump right now. So forgive me, fellas. But but you know, but I hate to say this. You guys talk about these Macs and how great they are, but Rico's been having problems here. So does he have a dud yeah. or something, Rich? Probably, yeah, because what, I had a bad uh, memory card, had to replace that, so I had to wait a month and a half, Rich. Well, hold that. on, hold on, so, since we're going to make it a tech show for a minute, to be fair, you did drop it. <laughs> Let's start there. I did there. drop it, I did drop it, yep. Was it a laptop or was it a Mac Mini? The Mac Mini. I was uh, pulling it out of the, um, I guess it was like a loft, and as I walked down the step, just kind of slipped off the top, and fell about three feet it was in the box so it had some kind of something around to protect it but after that it just was like eh, no 
So I took the one memory card out, you know, as I was troubleshooting it and it and it booted up and I was able to get it up and uh, working. So I realized that uh, whatever happened destroyed this thing. So I ordered two, uh, what, two eight gig uh, memory cards and a SSD hard drive, terabyte hard drive for it. And uh, it's super fast now. It, it boots up quick as hell and uh, it rocks and rolls now. So, I was excited about using it. I updated to Sierra <laughs> yesterday and today to get ready for the show. And, wah, wah. and $2 worth of batteries let you down. And two, exactly. <laughs> two, yeah, two brand new batteries. Brand, uh, brand new out of the package? Yeah, brand new. When you pull it out the box, the sound it makes. <laughs> All right, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. What? Did you put them in backwards? Nah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> do the lights come on the there's, keyboard at all they do they do and there's a diagram smart ass oh good <laughs> you have directions it. awesome <laughs> apple thinks of everything yeah. let's see um but did you drop the keyboard with the mac mini too no that was in a separate box so that one stayed on top of the pile i i guess you gotta buy a new mac mini yeah no uh yeah, I think yeah. it's that Sierra OS upgrade screwed up the Bluetooth. So I'm sure they'll probably send out a uh, patch for it that fixes the uh, issues with Bluetooth. Oh, no. Apple would never send anything out bad. Uh, yeah, they would. No. All right. Yeah, come on. Let's would. let's get to the good stuff. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight, Rich? I'm being patient with the tech talk, but I'm like, come on. <laughs> All right. Let's get it over with. Yeah. Well, get over your sound stuff. Okay, what's your drink? Thanks for making me rehash that whole thing, John. (laughs) It's like therapy. The more you talk about it, the more you get over it faster or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I try to do. Get it out of your system (laughs) and hopefully you're all better. No, it didn't work. Well, speaking of drowning your sorrows, I don't know that you're sad, but John, you have a beverage? Yeah, I have a beverage. You told me to get a beverage out. You said that. Milk and cookies? No, I'm not drinking (laughs) chocolate milk. I'm drinking a Gallic Ale from Highlander Brewing Company. What? Man, I what? I need that applause clip. Yeah. Holy cow. You, you guys? I like it. It's okay. All right. All right. We'll take Gallic that. Ale. We'll take that. So, so we're doing that. The wife went over to the local bottle shop and picked me up some beer the other night. Good man. Yeah. Good wife. Gallic even. That's with the red label, right? I think it's like a red yes. label for that. Yep. Yeah. And that's out of Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, you have to have a mature palate for that one. Good luck getting that down. Yeah, it's about halfway gone. Let's see if he's slurring through the, after this interview. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, uh, uh. All right, so what you got, my friend? Uh, well, I'm I'm still slumming it over here, meaning I haven't bought any beer, so it's still uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale in the can. Hang on, in the can. Hang although on. I opened it already. Hang on. What's this number three? Three Rico is this number three weeks in a row he's done this? I think so. He probably got a six pack that he's trying to <laughs> get out of the fridge. It was a, the the cheapest. What do I want to say? It was the cheapest craft beer twelve pack I could find. Nice. All right, we forgive you. You disappointed me, Rich. You disappointed me. All right, we'll save some of that Gaelic. I'll come up and get it. 
might be warm by the time you get here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on to our interview of the evening. And we previewed this on our last episode when we were talking about our trip to Daytona and all the fun that, that John and I had there. And Rico was there in spirit. Let's not leave him out. <laughs> but on our way to Daytona, we made a stop in Gainesville, and that was to see Mr. Justin Webster. And we got to have a little interview with him, see the shop. Of course, we got to see the bikes. And it was really cool hanging out. Like we said on the last episode, you know, just a cool guy to sit around and shoot the breeze with, talk motorcycles. I mean, we had a great time. Just kind of got the feeling, you know, we could have hung out there all night, especially, you know, cracked a couple of beers. You know, we probably would have fallen asleep on the front lawn. So what we're going to do is we're going to play through this and we're going to stop it a couple of times. We're probably going to play the core of the interview while we're in the garage and apologize a little bit for the audio is a pretty big echo from being in a, a concrete garage. So kind of did the best we could there. And we're going to stop it after that interview, which is just short of an hour. And then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit before John and I stepped outside and actually got to see the winning bike. Um, and of course the, the runner up, which also goes to the winner. So Let's go ahead and roll this first part, and then we'll come back and talk about it. All right. So we do the shop tour? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, here so, it is. <laughs> so we're, we're getting the nickel tour. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, you know, everything's done right here out of my home shop. Quite a bit of equipment in here that starting definitely starting to, to creep in on me and make me on a daily basis feel yeah. a little cramped. And there's still still more coming, but it works. You know, it keeps my overhead down. Yeah. I get to work from home, and you know everything is kind of right here. Downfall is that my wife complains about the fact she can't put her car in she the can't garage. Can't put a car in a garage. <laughs> no, but the, but this layout is neat though. Like it looks very functional, just just at like a first glance. Sure. So, like you said, a, about an average size two car garage. I uh, think it's that actually would be fair. Undersized. Or undersized. Yeah, it's an undersized two car garage. But the way it's laid out with, you know, the big stuff around the outside, you got a room for a couple of bikes in the middle. It just works. It seems like you can move from station to station and you're not tripping over yourself. Yeah. You, know, you, you have know, enough, I, but it's not too much. It's definitely a, a challenge to try and organize the garage in a way that actually flows. So, yeah. you know, you're not running back and forth or you're, you know, tripping over one piece of equipment to get to the other. Um, most of the stuff that I have a hard time uh, dealing with is on casters. So uh, it's an easy little push out of the way and, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm good to get to another, another piece of equipment. Yeah. Like a couple of your benches have solid feet, but yeah, a lot of stuff's on wheels. You can push it around. Yeah. It's a cool welding car. Thanks. They, uh, made of course i did make that yeah <laughs> uh you know it, it's one of those things to where most of the the stuff that gets used constantly are kind of like your big pivot points so you figure out where those work best at and then right. you try to make everything work around that um obviously when you're working in a shop this small cleanliness is kind of it's key, key. Yeah, yeah you can you can really get out of control really quick and uh, and then it it really really stunts your your productivity. All right, so what are we working on? Let's see what kind so of bikes we right got. Now, a, yeah. Up on the lift, first right of now, all, we got a uh, a seventy four uh, CB seven fifty. It's a Honda CB seven fifty or sorry CB five fifty, and uh, 
kind of going with a little scrambler tracker type feel to it. Okay. Um, something that's going to be cut down on weight as much as possible. And uh, something that's just a fun little ripper that you can get on. It's got a nice upright riding position. You can take it wherever you want. If you need to, you know, hop a curb and go someplace, you can do it without much worry. Um, it's not going to be, you know, a full on dual sport or right. yeah. anything else. You're not but taking it to Baja. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but it's definitely going to be a fun little ripper that, you know, if you need to go rip down a, you know, a, a, a dirt fire road or something like that, you don't have to really worry about it. You can just go kind of go wherever you want. Um, but for around town, it'll be a really, a really big blast to, to kind of rip around on it. Now this one's a 550. The one, the light blue one you had mm-hmm. at Barber, what was that? That was a 750. 750. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I started off on a 750. Actually that, that, uh, 750 F over there is actually my first motorcycle. Oh, um, get a picture of that. John. It definitely did not look <laughs> like that. Uh, when, it, when, when I first got it, it was actually lime green with a white stripe down the back. Um, had all the original 750 parts on it. Um, I love that tank. Yeah. That is, the F, that is F nice. model tank is, is just a great looking tank. Um, the flat black that you see on it is basically the way that I built it back in college. Oh, no kidding. So what you see on it is kind of the way that it was, uh, when I got my first bike, rebuilt it out of a single car garage and ripped around on it during school. Now the, the front end is obviously an upgrade afterwards. Yeah. Uh, it's actually got fuel injection on it now. So, um, that Are those was Honda not forks like from a, like a modern, sport it, bike? it's a 1000 RR front end on okay. it. Um, it'll have full, full Brembo's. I've got the Brembo master cylinders, uh, in the, in the, the cabinet over there. Um, it'll get a hydraulic clutch conversion. Um, the, Throttle bodies are off of a uh, GSX-R750. It's running a micro-squirt standalone system, air motive, fuel pressure regulator. Yeah, I was going to say, what is that across the bottom? That's a fuel rail. Is uh, that what that is? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's uh, individual throttle bodies, and um, they, they came off of a uh, GSX-R750. And they've been, obviously, modified in order to fit onto the, uh, the Honda 750. But... Um, it's pretty much plug and play. I've been trying to see if I can come up with a, a kit for it, but as of right now, it's kind of, um, not cost beneficial because of the charging system on the old bikes. Like I told you guys earlier, the, yeah. um, the charging systems on those things don't really start charging until about 2000 RPM. <laughs> so the first time I got it running on the fuel ejection, I went around the block and the battery was dead. Oh no. So it, it sucks, uh, some juice pretty quick with the standalone, um, you know, you got the injectors, you got all your sensors running, you got a wide band on there. Um, the fuel pump running all the time. So that's definitely a, kind of a challenge. So I think the next upgrade is going to be, um, charging, charging system off of a modern sport bike, which, you know, should help out the motor It'll, and a big battery. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it should help out with, uh, letting it rev a little bit freer. It'll be, you know, a whole lot less weight hanging off the side of the motor for sure. Um, so it's definitely been an interesting bike. It'll get a, um, full custom frame. It's kind of in limbo, uh, but it'll get a full custom frame. It'll probably have uh, modern size stickies on it. So it'll have a 180 rear 120 front. I'm going to keep the staggered setup because it's kind of got that classic, uh, you know, old seventies look to it. So probably keep a, 
19 front, uh, 18 rear, um, or I might go with an 18 front, a 17 rear, and uh, that'll keep that staggered look to it. You were mentioning the charging system. Is that out the left side yeah. of the Honda? Is that what you're seeing there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you can see. Yeah, it's um, a pretty big it's case pretty massive, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's ways of getting around it. Um, there's guys that are, you know, run magnetos and everything else. You could kind of pull all that weight off the side of the motor. Yeah. Um, but when I upgrade the, the charging system, that should allow me to actually shave that case down a little bit more. Um, and kind of suck in that side as well. So what it, so it looks like it's going in the cafe direction, but it's sporty. So yeah, it'll new be, category, sport cafe. Yeah, I guess it, <laughs> it, you know, it's kind of the modern interpretation of a cafe racer. Um, with all the good parts, like we were talking. So yeah, it handles like crazy. Right. So, um, you know, the guys back in the day that were building cafe racers, they, they dealt with what they had, you know, they, they yeah. didn't, they didn't have access to inverted forks or, you know, big piston right. calipers. And well, they had something like what was on this, but it was just upgraded. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and, and so they, they kind of sucked everything off of it and did everything that they could to, to bump horsepower. Um, but nowadays we've got way more available to us. So yeah, you can get darn good parts now. Oh, yeah. Just a couple of and, grand. And so, you know, why not? take that mantra of what they did back then with the technology and parts availability that we have yeah. today and really kind of make something that's just, it's got an old motor in it, but literally everything else on it is, you know, brain spanking new. Well, it's a little bit of the the chopper mentality too. It's like, let's strip it down to the yeah. basics, but in the cafe world, it's mainly for speed. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, with those old bikes, you know, the, everybody's kind of swapping over to inverted forks and, and, uh, you know, just slapping everything onto a stock frame, which is, is fine and well, if you're just kind of ripping around town, but if you're really pushing those bikes to the paces, um, without doing any frame modifications, man, those, those frames were never designed to deal with the rigidity or or the braking forces that come from a, an inverted front end with, you know, giant front brakes on it. Um, so you can really kind of feel those things start to twist and fold underneath you when you push them to their limits. Yeah. I'm looking at this one here. Um, five fifty. Yeah. You said those down tubes, they're tiny. They're downright tiny. Yeah. Yeah, look at that thing. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, it's not a big bike. It's, you know, they're, they're, they weren't very heavy. Um, so, you know, there, it really wasn't a necessity to run super rigid frames. Now, the guys uh, back in the day that were running road course, uh, obviously you have, you know, your your big guys that were making frames for them, Eggly, yeah. and, you know, all those guys were were all making some really nice road course frames that improves, you know, the, the stiffness and rigidity of the frames and, and changed a lot of the geometry on them. But, um, you know, if you're just ripping around town, there's really nothing wrong with the, the stock frames. So with the one you're working on now, well, sorry, your first bike, mm-hmm. what, what's your plan for that? Like power and weight wise, where do you think that'll land when you're done? I really, I really don't know. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I guess you could call it the world's most expensive CB 750. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got pretty big, pretty big plans for that bike and, um, it, it's just kind of just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what comes okay. out of it. Um, there's some some pretty cool guys out there that are making really cool power equipment for those old 750 motors. Um, there's some like thousand CC kits and even, uh, some that are, that are capable of going a little bit bigger. Um, 
and some really knowledgeable guys that have just been working with the power plant for a long time, pulling as much power out of it as you possibly get. Um, It still won't be anywhere near what, you know, a modern sport bike would be capable of or anything else, but it'll be a quick bike and, you know, the geometry of it will be more in the line of a race bike. Um, and, uh, it should be a, a blast. No power adders, all natural. Yeah. It'll be all natural. Yeah. Very nice. Well, what do you think, John? You don't get to look at bikes that are chopped up too often. What are you you taking in here in the, in the shop? I I would say, you know, what are you doing with the original bike? is pretty sweet. You know, I'm looking at it and just thinking about, uh, not to throw it out, Matthew with his uh, V65 and how much he would be in awe over some of the stuff you've done to that thing. Well, and what he's going through with his multi-carb setup. Yeah, because he's got the you know the, the Magna V4, yeah. and he he can he's had to rip the throttle the carbs out of that thing so many times. Oh, yeah. You know, the original reason why I converted that bike over to fuel injection is because I got tired of dealing <laughs> with the carburetors, and to this day, you know, on on these old vintage fours. Um, Dealing with a rack of four carburetors is still frustrating, no matter, you know, how many times I've gone through them and how many times I've adjusted them. There's always something and some reason why you have to pull them off five times and, uh, it just gets frustrating. But that's, that's one of the original reasons why I converted that bike over to fuel injection is I can throw a laptop in a backpack and go let it tune itself. And, uh, oh, yeah, as far as tuning. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the, the capabilities that are out there right now with technology, I can do, half the tuning on my cell phone with a, you know, a cable that runs straight down to the bike. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of clicks, get some more horsepower, rideability goes up. Yeah. All that stuff. Oh yeah. The biggest thing he's, well, chat with him is I went riding with him on Wednesday and we got off the highway and, uh, he busted the throttle cable. Oh geez. And it's the, it's the second. Isn't that the second time? (laughs) He was, we was, uh, last year we're going out to the mountains and he near Asheville, he gets on the highway, getting on the highway and all of a sudden click. No. It <laughs> must forward <laughs> progress, and they don't make new cables for that. No, thing. Yeah. so he ordered a new cable for it, and we're, we're giving him crap about trying to say you need to get rid of that thing because you know he uh, there was rust. It's become a nightmare. Yeah, it's become a nightmare. He, well, it's kept him from getting to the mountain ride. We were oh, at yeah. um, last Teleco Plains. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. and he just didn't make it out there. Right. Yeah, his wife had to come so, all the way out there, pick him up, and you know, haul it home and. And I think he's talking about doing something with the uh, change the ignition over to the the GSX. Yeah. Um, from the coil pack or wherever, mm-hmm. changing that over. Trying to think about doing that. So I'll have to show him that and say, well, yeah. if you're keeping it. But that, that's that's a pretty cool bike. I like what you're doing Thanks. with the 550 too. That's, yeah, it's going to be a fun little ripper. It'll be, uh, you know, kind of single seat. It'll have, um, you know, longer, more room, room to move around on the seat than a cafe you know, wood like that, uh, teal and white one that you guys saw, um, definitely a lot more comfortable. Um, you know, the, the cafe, right. You know, cafe racer style and the sport, modern sport bikes, they're not touring bikes. You know, they, they were never, they were never designed to be (laughs) that way. Um, I mean, just riding a a bike that's made to go long distances can be brutal sometimes. So, you know, to to jump on one of those for long distances, this one will definitely be a little bit more enjoyable to, to rip around on for extended periods of time. All right. So I got to get a little bit philosophical. Sure. So I think I know the answer, but what is it about the CB that, that you really like that draws you into it? 
my my guess would be the the first bike love, but is there more there to it than that? Yeah, um, the CB series really kind of I don't know, hit the mark for me. I, growing up, uh, you know, I worked on hot rods and old cars with my dad. Okay, um, I actually wasn't allowed to have a motorcycle growing up, so oh, I, I, ne- I didn't I didn't grow up around motorcycles. <laughs> um, I got into college, and my parents lived in Illinois. I lived in Florida, and I figured what mama doesn't know doesn't hurt her. So uh, I, I actually, my my then girlfriend and now wife, um, she had one of those giant Coca-Cola bottles that you put spare change into. Oh, nice. So nice. Uh, I got tired of lugging that thing back and forth when we changed apartments. So I finally convinced her to let me rob it. And I got a couple hundred bucks out of it and bought that bike for a couple hundred bucks. Uh, my buddy awesome. had a, a, uh, a sport bike and he was kind of into stunting and, you know, doing crazy stuff on him. And that, that doesn't really appeal to me. Um, so I kind of started looking what was available in my price range and those old vintage Hondas were, were there That's at the time, there, yeah. at the time, you know, nowadays you can't pick up a nice TB 750 for less than two grand with a good title and it's you know, in, in good shape. Um, but it really appeals to that hot rod old, you know, vintage car side of me that I grew up around. Um, everything's just so kind of mechanical with them. There's not really anything that's, you know, too crazy, uh, you know, on them. Everything is just what I'm kind of used to. It just felt right when I started working on, on my first one. Um, and then obviously, like you said, it was the first bike, you know, that's, that's yeah, where attachment. There. Yeah. That, that's not where, get rid of that's that. where it, it all started for me. And, yeah. you know, I would have never guessed you know, growing up. I always, when kids were talking about being firemen and, and policemen or astronauts <laughs> growing up, like, I, I was telling my dad, I want to own a custom shop when I, when I grow up and I never let go of that. And in fact, on the, the, the day I graduated from college, my parents told me that they they swore up and down I was going to drop out and I was going to do my own thing. Um, but I pushed through it. And when I got out of college, I just never let it go. I, I worked, um, at night, uh, after I got done with my day job, I would come home and work on bikes. And I started making my own parts cause I, I couldn't afford to buy parts for them. So I started making my own parts for them and people liked what I was doing. They asked me to make parts for them. Uh, and eventually enough people started inquiring about it that I started doing production runs of them. And then kind of the rest is, is history of building bikes. I kind of just fell into that. You know, people started liking what I was building for myself. Um, and it's like, I want one, I want one. My buddy wants one. Exactly. So it's, it's kind of grown from that, that point. But yeah, you know, I, I always grew up thinking I was going to own a, custom hot rod shop and here i am here are with the bikes building bikes and making some very cool bikes by the way Thanks. yeah very unique different models and like you said with the scrambler i mean it's kind of like i guess what i'd say a lot of manufacturers are going with the scrambler i think that's kind of the tor- scrambler or tracker both going yeah. with a little bit of, a little yeah, bit of both it, right it'll kind of have a, a feel of both it's not going to be a full scrambler um you know, where you could literally take it out and go rip yeah. around off road with it. You know, a lot of the modern manufacturers, uh, are making scrambler styled bikes, Scram- uh, looking. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't call them, you know, capable scramblers over easy, not quite. Scrambler. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this one will kind of have that same feel, you know, it won't, it won't be a true scrambler. It won't be a, 
full tracker, yeah. you know, or anything else. It'll kind of, I don't know, fit into its own little category for whatever it is. Well, that's an interesting topic. We, we've gone round and round in this. We have, um, our supporters, we have a little clubhouse mm-hmm. that we give them. We run it through this platform called Slack. So we're in sure. there talking all day. Sure. Probably more than we should. Right. But. <laughs> off now, in fact. And they're, they're probably buzzing us now. But so we always talk about styles. So it's good that, that you mentioned that. Sure. A scrambler. What what does it have to have before you say this is a scrambler? I I couldn't answer that for you because <laughs> I, I, I hate pigeonholing things into styles. You know, it, they when you build a bike and you put it out there for the world to see it, yeah. for some reason they're not accepted unless you put a style to it. Yeah. And I, I hate building bikes that way. And I, I don't really do it. That's why I say, you know, that one kind of got a cafe yeah. feel to it because it's an old bike. And since it's an old bike and it's, you know, performance oriented, it must be cafe. Um, but the reality is, is that it doesn't really fall into that. It's just a cool bike, something that's fun to go rip around on. And that thing that you poke next to somebody and if it's got the power Nobody would realize what you're probably having it. No, and it's a little bit of a sleeper from the. Yeah, it really is. You know, swapping it over to fuel injection, you'd be impressed at how much of a just exhaust note difference there is Mm -hmm. from the efficiency of fuel injection versus carburation. And when you fire that bike up, it still kind of has that old CB750 sound to it, but it beats like a brand new sport bike. Mm. So. You know, there's a lot of times where even back in college when he was stripped down, I would, you know, ride around. People had no idea what the bike was. They, you know, they were trying to figure out what it is, if it was a new bike that's been (laughs) chopped up and stripped down or if it's an old bike or anything else. So, you know, like you said, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you stylistically what is a requirement to have, you know. Well, I'm I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because it's. To us, it's neat to see styles now being blended together. Yeah. You know, like you said, it's got some cafe touches. Yeah. It's going to be a little more modern sport bike. You sure. know, it's, it's a couple of different themes yeah. melded together. Yeah. And same thing with the 550 on the bench yeah, I mean, here. The, the five, it's a little bit of a scrambler, a little yeah. bit of a tracker. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's got a scrambler style to it, but it's got a bait style headlight. Like that's, yeah. you know, vintage choppers and, and cool. stuff like that. So it's, it's like, you know. It just is what it is. They, when I start building bikes, I really just kind of let the bike build itself. Tell me kind of what is mm-hmm. next. Um, and if I do something to it that just doesn't look right, I rip it off, throw it away and start, start back over. over and it just doesn't flow. Um, I really kind of take that, that same mantra with my, my parts designs. Um, I really think Honda, you know, spent a lot of time on these, especially on these old motors, to make them just look sexy. You know, they they knew that these motors are out there for the world to see. You're riding around right. on a bike. It's not all covered up like a, no. like a full-bodied sport bike. Right. And so, you know, they really kind of spent a little bit of extra time to make them look good. And, you know, the, the old CB750s and the 550s, they just kind of have that classic styling that yep. when you see that motor, you know it's a CB750 motor. And, you know, the parts that I'm manufacturing for them, I didn't want them to stand out and scream, Hey, look at me. Don't look at the motor. You know, they kind of have to meld into that and flow, yep. not detract or, or stand out. Yeah. You're not, you're not upstaging the motor. You're just, you're adding to the yeah. overall look and, right. and appeal of it. So real quick on that, what parts are you making for the, 
for the CBs? So for the CB series, uh, right now I make handlebar clamps. I make valve tappet covers. I make uh, oil pressure gauge adapters for the CB750 series. Um, I make tack plugs. Um, I have some other stuff uh, that's getting ready to launch. I have a speedometer gear drive delete. Um, and really the, the, the tack drive plug and the speedometer gear drive delete are for the guys that are swapping over to modern yeah. uh, digital stuff. They're not using, you know, mechanical cables anymore. Right. Um, so instead of having, you know, a gear drive just sitting out there or a big hole in your, your valve cover. Just clean it up. Yeah, just something to, to, to make it look right. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's in the works, a lot of universal fit parts. So I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm always going to uh, manufacture parts for the, the old vintage Hondas and really focus on those. Uh, but, you know, at the same rate, there's a lot of really cool stuff that lend itself into the old Hondas that can be made into universal fit parts. Um, so things like rear sets, uh, pegs, probably some clip-ons, uh, illumination stuff, lighting, stuff like that. Um, really going to start pivoting into kind of universal fit and then branching out into other brands specific eventually. Harley. <laughs> uh, you'll, I guess you'll just have to see what happens. I mean, the Harley market is so huge and trying so that's to a big, big fish. There, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, 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 you know, jumping in with the sharks and seeing <laughs> if you can outrun them. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of big names out there and I like to say that I could compete with it and I think I can. Um, so I definitely, you know, I definitely look forward to what the future holds and, and pushing, uh, you know, towards, towards okay. that stuff. Well, and I think you hit it, you hit the nail on the head with the engines, as far as the look they wanted, they knew that you were going to see the engine. So they had to sort of put a little more extra into it. And that's in general, what I like about an air cooled engine, yeah. it just, I understand water cooling, I understand the efficiency, I understand all the benefits, sure. but Man, it's hard to hide all that plumbing in the radiator. <laughs> it really is, you know. Uh, on the on the TV show, I know we're going to get there eventually. Uh, you know, Wait, you were on a TV show? Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, on the TV show, the first episode that aired, um, the guys got brand new Indian Scouts, and while that's awesome, that's I don't, yeah, I don't think I would have been excited about that. Yeah, I mean, going home with two brand new Indian Scouts—that's pretty, well, that's pretty cool. awesome. Yeah. I mean, the the prize package is definitely worth a lot. A lot more, uh, but as but, a custom guy, I mean, you're I'm, like, Whoa. I'm, I'm really happy I didn't walk into that and having to deal with the fuel injection and you know intake fuel pump and yeah. you know the the cooling system and everything else on it because you know that, that's something I don't want to I didn't want to have to deal with. So uh, we're lucky that we got the bikes that we did, but uh, yeah, you know, there's definitely a whole new set of headaches with modern stuff versus the uh, the old vintage stuff. All right. Well, since you made the segue, I guess we'll go there. <laughs> so we're, we're pretty big fans. And, you know, I sent my email. My son is just, he's over the moon sure. over Wrench yeah. Against the Machine. And, you know, there's other bike shows out there I've been watching, but I don't necessarily let him watch it. Right. You know, Sacred Steel comes to mind. Sure. I was like, eh, it's a little over the edge for right. <laughs> an eight-year-old. Eight but I'm like, this, this is pretty tame. Yeah. Um, all right. So you walk in and you see the bike sitting there. Before the thing was, before the cover was pulled off, did you have a hinkling or no? What, uh, we, were, were you we, hoping for something? No, we we were kept in the dark one hundred percent. Okay. The phone call that I got was, "Hey, there's a new TV show. Do you want to be on it?" And obviously, your first gut reaction is, 
that's kind of cool that I'm being called about this. And then you're like, oh no. Yeah. But then, then you start going, well, I'm just kind of a, a new guy. People are just now starting to hear about me and this could go six ways wrong. Uh, that could really tank everything that I've been, I've been trying to do. Um, so, you know, walking in on it, we had no idea. We, we thought we knew what we were walking into, you know, being, (laughs) being the, the people that we are dealing with vintage Hondas and, you know, the, you know, Craig Rodsmith, the guys that we went up against, knowing what he's used to, to building. Um, we, we kind of thought when we walked in there, okay, you know, two guys that are kind of starting to get known for, you know, cafe racer and vintage Honda stuff. Um, well, and time, build- and time in the saddle, just the guys you're going up against, yeah. they've just got many more years exactly. on, the, so, on know, doing that. Yeah. Right? And so we thought we knew what we were walking into, but we had no idea. Um, mm. You know, we weren't told what tools we were going to have. It, you know, what they say on the TV show and how it happened is a hundred percent real. I mean, 72 hours. We were told to give, we, we were, we were told we're going to build a bike in 72 hours. That's all we got. Um, we didn't know the shop that we were going into, what tools were available. We were told that there was a, you know, a full fabrication shop, but we didn't know if the production crew knew what a fabrication shop really meant. Right. Um, we asked for, you know, uh, lists of tools that were available to us and that was not available nope. we were not given that. <laughs> um, and so we, we thought we knew what we were getting into, but we had, we had no idea. Oh man. All right. So let's talk about the crew. So now you're told to assemble a crew or do they sort of give you some guidance on that? Yeah, no. Um, when I was called, uh, it was the idea behind the show was pitched to me and I was told, uh, that I would need a crew of three okay. and I'm a single man flying yeah, it's solo like here. One you know? man deal yeah, here. So right? try, yeah. Trying to get everything done by myself. Um, so when they called me and told me, Hey, you, you have to build a bike in three days. I'm just laughing. I mean, that, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> wrong number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you just need to call someone else. Uh, but then they said, you know, you got to assemble a crew of three guys and I'm going, okay, that's better, but that's still practically impossible. Yeah. Um, so it really came down. I was, I was actually very close to telling them, no, I wasn't going to do the TV show. Um, Unless I could find the right crew of guys. And right. I did some interviews for some different guys. Um, but the first person that I called was Josh uh, that was on the show. I'd met him at Handbuilt Show uh, okay. back uh, in April of last year. He had a bike that was featured there. It's a really awesome bike. And uh, we kind of just, it was a passing, hey, nice bike. Looks like some cool stuff. Yep. Nice to meet you. See you later. Maybe see you next year type thing. It wasn't, you know, we didn't go out and have beers or, you right. know, really, really have any type of discussion. Bread bread anything, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of cool. Nice job. Good to meet you. See you around. Yeah. Um, so I called him up and just said, hey, man, I don't know if you got the same offer that I did, uh, but they just called me and asked me to be on a TV show where we have to build a bike <laughs> in 72 hours is that something that you want to, you want to do? Yeah. And he goes, well, first off, I'm obviously not as cool as you are <laughs> because like, I minute, didn't get that know. call. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, he, he absolutely just kind of went, went all in on it and said, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's nice. do it. Uh, so knowing that I had a solid fabrication guy, uh, there was a huge help. 
And uh, my game plan behind it was we have 72 hours to build a bike. I need a, a super good fabricator to just go in, do as much as he can. Um, I was originally just going to fill in the holes and, uh, you know, kind of do what I needed to do mechanically um, and, uh, you know, do fabrication myself and, and do what I needed to and kind of take on that, you know, Henry Ford assembly line style gig where yeah. I'm getting things going. I hand them off to Josh. He, gets he finishes them done, it up. And then I, he hands them off to the painter and, uh, and he gets them ready to be slapped on the bike. And then we all go in and assemble the bike together. Um, so having Josh jump on board right off the bat was awesome. He's a very talented fabricator and, uh, was lucky to have him on there. Chastin, uh, was actually my second call. I called a gentleman before him that just didn't give me the confidence that Chastin did. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny because Chastin is just such a, I don't know, kind of down to earth guy. And, you know, he's kind of got his own little quirks. He's a little bit quiet at the beginning when you first meet <laughs> him and a little bit reserved. And, uh, but once you, once you know him, he's yep. kind of crazy. Right cool. Yeah. Um, but I called him up and offered him, you know, the, the premise behind the show and he really kind of thought it was pretty cool and nice. jumped on board. And I told him, I All said, in. you know, I don't know what we're walking into and I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's a full paint shop that you're going <laughs> to be able to do anything with. I need to know that if we walk in there, you're able to go down to Harbor Freight and, get, get and buy some paint brushes and find some paint and make something cool. And he said, <laughs> yeah, I could do that. So, you know, that was the confidence I needed to hear. I needed to hear someone say, I, I don't care what there is. I can make something cool in an hour. I need to know you're not afraid of a rattle can. <laughs> say it. Yeah, say it. Much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Josh was the same way. You know, I told him, I said, I, the only thing I've been told is that there's a full fabrication shop, but that could mean there's a bandsaw and an angle grinder. And right. that's the production crew's and idea. Tools. Yeah. Idea yeah. of, 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 uh, we saw a vice in there. We think that'll <laughs> yeah, work. Exactly. So <laughs> oh, that's it, pliers. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I told him, I said, you know, I, I need to know that if we walk in there, you can run down, buy the hammers and dollies that you need, bang something out and make mm -hmm. something cool without spending practically any type of money. And he said, no problem. We'll, we'll get it done. Um, so I had a really confident crew behind me going into it and called him up and said, let's do it. Now, now for the parts, for getting the parts, did you guys have an idea? I know. I mean, I know on the show they said you guys didn't have any yeah, idea. Yeah, no, it, it was, parts. we were blacklisted from the get go. I mean, it was, you know, Oh no! You yeah, they they put a curtain over literally everything. The only thing we knew when we flew into L.A. was we have to build a bike in seventy two hours. There's a full fabrication shop, and there's a bike that is supposed to be running and riding. Did you have the budget in advance? Did you? Yeah, know we, was, we were told okay. that. Yeah, we were told that uh, we would get like the money that we did. Okay, um, but that was it. There was nothing. Wow. Nothing else. Just show up and build a cool bike. Three days, three guys. How it goes. Yeah. All right. So how long, how long does the planning part take? Because of course, the, you know, the show kind of speeds it up for you. Yeah. But how long do you sit there and you say, okay, you know, here's the platform is what we want to yeah. do. Here's where we need to get to. Sure. You know, how long before you start slinging wrenches? So there, there was quite a bit of stuff that, uh, 
you know, the show obviously has to cut out. They have three days worth of footage and they have to yeah. put it into an hour show. So there's quite a bit of stuff that uh, gets thrown out just because it's not entertaining to watch. Right. Um, Ten, you know, an hour of drawing on paper. Yeah. They're not going to film. They're not going to record that. The reality <laughs> is, is that uh, me and my team, we got the bike. We came up with game plan. I fired the bike. It ran for all of half a second. Shut it down. Shut it down. And we said, all right, good to go. Let's go parts run. It took us almost, I mean, the the show really portrays it kind of the way that it happened. It okay. was done in probably an hour and we were off and running Shopping, trying to find parts. Cutting. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty big gamble. I mean, I, the bike fired for half a second. I didn't know if there was anything wrong with it or you what didn't know I was how, do. how well it was going to run just that it started. <laughs> yep. And we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't run the bike until the second day when we had to do test ride. So that, that was, that was all we had to, to go on. I kind of had faith that I, I knew it fired for half a second. I could probably figure out how to get it to run longer yeah, than that. Get it to run better. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, we were completely blind going into it. Now, not to kind of, if I don't remember, but and not trying to down your win because I'm not. Craig's bike didn't start. They, is that the show that they couldn't get running? The bike they couldn't keep it or get it running. Yeah. So uh, Craig's bike um, had kind of some issues from the get go uh, that we didn't really get to experience. We had our own set of issues. Yeah, they had the carbs apart twice. I yeah, think. they had the carbs apart, um, and he got that resolved. And then um, right at the end, uh, and I don't know the specifics of exactly how it happened, but uh, one of the guys fried the ignition system. That's right. That's what it looked like. That's right. Oh, he's welding. Yeah. He's welding the the bike. Yeah. Yeah. Fried it. Yeah. So fried the ignition system right at the end. And, you know, it bummed us. That's not the way you want to go out, you know, and kind of, it's kind of everybody's worst nightmare that you go on a competition show and something like that happens and you get, you know. And people think, oh, you might've walked into it. Yeah, right. So, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a, I guess, a, a bad circumstance and, uh, you know, it sucks that it happened. None of you are doing that, but yeah, yeah, that was it. You know, now, you could see these guys. Yeah, we were in the same building. room. I mean, I was sweating. What Craig? <laughs> so they was start doing, they yeah. start hammering out a tank, yeah, and you're man, like, "Oh dear." We were all sweating. It, you know, Craig just kind of went for it. We watched him start making a tank, and we're going, "Oh crap!" You know, oh, we man. you know his his fabrication skills are are absolutely outstanding. I've got nothing but good things to say about Craig. He's an outstanding guy. His skill set is incredible, and the bike that he built and the way that he built it in 72 hours is is pretty impressive mm. uh, for what he did. And, you know, every time I, I go back and think about it, what we were able to accomplish in 72 hours amazing, still blows my mind yeah. uh, to this day with how big of a transformation both teams did to their bikes on our episode. And um, it's just kind of, you know, all inspiring to look at those bikes today <laughs> and go, we did that in 72 hours. Yeah, stylistically, I think... The team, and I don't know who, whose design it was, if that was all yours or, or a team effort, but stylistically absolutely nailed it. Yeah. And they said, you know, chopper, yeah. think easy riders, and I think you nailed it. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, you know, that was definitely a, a team uh, effort to get the, the style into every, kind of everybody's playing field. Um, Josh has a huge, uh, you know, chopper bobber background. Oh, yeah. So, his his styles uh, when it comes out to it definitely uh, pays tribute to to his style. Um, 
Chaston is a huge vintage guy, whether it's choppers or rides, yeah, hot rods, anything. I mean, vintage vans, you name it, he's into it. Um, so, you know, it was definitely a, a group effort coming up and making sure that kind of everybody had uh, their their little tidbit in the bike that made them happy uh, that they got their piece out of it. Um, you know, when uh, Chaston showed up with the dirt rear tire uh, and the, the truly vintage front Dunlop. I mean, that, that thing is literally straight out of the fifties. Um, new old stock that's just been laying just around. There. Yeah. I mean, it's hard as a rock. And the score on the front end. Unreal. Yeah. That was pretty incredible. Unreal. But uh, you know, when he showed up with that, that dirt rear tire, uh, Josh was kind of like, no, there's no way. Yeah. So, know about that. <laughs> you know, Josh wasn't necessarily happy with that part, but it made Jastin happy. And so there was things that each of us had to kind of give up, yeah. uh, in order to make it a team effort. And we really, you know, we really flowed really well. Um, especially for guys that had literally never met before, let alone build bikes together and be able to work as a team the way we did in, 72 hours with not meeting each other for more than five that, minutes before pretty, then. That's pretty cool. You, you could, you could see how important it was to get the dynamic, right? It really was yeah. because we, you know, some of the other ones, um, Jody Parowitz and the other team, sure. um, but you know, <laughs> you, you've got these real high powered people yeah. in their field yeah. and, if they don't come together and gel, it yeah. doesn't matter. No, it, it's over. Yeah, you know? it, it's really difficult. And, you know, we definitely on the team, we had a little bit of butting heads uh, here and there. And we had our kind of, you know, little debates on, no, I don't want to go that route. Right. I want to go this route. And someone kind of has to win in those, in those, you know, situations, but it has to be quick and decisive, yeah. you know, and just move on from it. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be you know, a battle of egos or yeah. anything else. We're here to get something done. Let's just yeah. work together and get it done. Um, so, you know, we definitely had kind of our own little, you know, fits here and there. Um, but I'm always just impressed at, you know, the professional, you know, how professional the guys were and how they got in there and just got their hands dirty, didn't complain about it. They got onto their projects and just went to town without anything needing to be said yeah. about, uh, you know, what they were doing or how they were doing it. Now, outside of the the build and, and things like that, did you get much time with the, the host and the judges? Uh, no, not really. No time to hang out. Yeah. I mean, we, we walked in there, we did pre-production interviews, went straight into building bikes yeah. and then post-production interviews. And we got, you know, maybe an hour, uh, you know, in to hang with the, the judges, uh, right after the show wrapped, uh, we did the little, um, you know, reveal party, uh, at the end where the, the yeah. wrench was handed out, uh, which is hanging. I would say you have the wrench. Right the oh, we will yeah, get a picture that. of that. <laughs> I got that. Uh, I got the yeah. So, uh, you know, we got to hang out with them and drink some beer and kind of, you know, shoot it with them and, and, That's cool. and, and hang out a little bit, but we weren't allowed to talk to them, um, about anything that was going on in the show. So the first time that I heard what the judges had to say about what we had built was the first time that everybody else got to hear it on, on live TV. Oh, no kidding. So that was, I mean, stressful as all get out. You don't know. Oh, so you finish, <clears throat> they come in and look at the bike. They come in and look at the bike. And you don't hear them no, so conversating we, we or anything. To, we go in a different room. We weren't allowed to listen to what the judges had to complain about it or who was going to win or <laughs> anything else. Um, so, you know, they did a really good job on the, on the, on the structure of the TV show. And afterwards it's pretty stressful to sit there and ponder and think about what, 
you know, Roland said or what Wooly said, yeah, you know, yeah. all those guys are, you know, performance oriented bike builders and we made them ride a sketchy chopper built in 72 hours. And so I can only imagine, you know, the things that they had to say when they walked in and said, these guys did a front end swap, hardtail to bike, you know, did a whole bunch of stuff exactly. to this thing in 72 hours. And I wouldn't be surprised if they all said, there's no way I'm getting on that bike. Um, so, you know, it was definitely, definitely interesting to hear what they had to say after afterwards. Cool. Yeah. Um, Maybe a question I'd have was if they called you again, would you do it again? Uh, I think I would. Yeah. You know, obviously they would probably throw a curveball at us. You know, we, we walked, yeah, we walked into it not knowing what was going to, what was going to happen, uh, the first go around. And so I'm sure that they want to keep that surprise. So I'm sure they wouldn't let us just walk into it, but knowing what we were working with and doing it this time around, I would be, I'm very interested to know what we would be able to accomplish in 72 hours knowing what we're walking into right let alone you know what yeah. we were able to well i was just thinking about since you've been on it somebody else as a designer got a phone call you know kind of you've gone through it and yeah yeah you know I, I i would i would definitely i would definitely do it again if if i was given cool. the opportunity well, how much sleep did you get in those 72 hours uh, i slept only 40 <laughs> minutes of that 72 hours wow uh and that was only because the producer that was working with us um told me that i needed to get some sleep before we did post-production interviews because it was going to wrap we would go immediately into post-production interviews yeah and he didn't want me falling asleep while we were doing interviews oh, at the end um <laughs> so i i was fully committed to doing the entire show without sleeping at all. And I did up until the last 40 minutes of, of the TV show. Um, you know, we, I slept for 40 minutes, came back out, we assembled the bike. Um, and it literally ran to the last second of the clock. We were doing stuff on the bike. Doing something. Yeah. Wow. It looked like a tornado had hit the shop right at the end. (laughs) I mean, there, there was, soldering irons that are still plugged in and hot laying on the ground and yeah. you know wrenches and everything else just flying across the shop as we're trying to you know knock stuff out you know i think at some point in time we were yelling at each other because we couldn't find tools because they were all laying on the ground because someone had done something and just, it just set it down it. and moved on to something yeah. else um so you know that, that it was it was crazy and uh right at the end uh they didn't show it on, on TV, which I'm kind of surprised by, but, um, they actually brought in the paramedic to do a, uh, like a cognitive skills test with me and make sure that I knew where I was and everything else because <laughs> Cause you hadn't slept, I hadn't slept in 72 hours and it does, there's a reason why they use it as part of torture. You know, sleep deprivation is nothing mm-hmm. to joke about. It does some pretty crazy things to you. And, um, at about the 48 hour mark, you really, you get through the 24 hours and you're kind of, That's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. You know, yeah. the next morning rolls around, your body kind of says, Hey, it's time to be up. So just go ahead and get that second win and you get it and you're going, um, the 48 hour mark rolls around and that's when it really just hits you like a brick wall. And, um, then you realize you have 24 more. Yeah. And so you're, <laughs> you're, you're rolling along and you're trying to get things done, but you're starting to slur your speech. You can't really think uh, as clearly or as well. Yeah. You like reach for something. Uh, you're yeah. Like, you're Whoa, you're dragging that? your feet and it, it really feels like you're intoxicated. Like you just got done drinking a case of beer and you're, you know, just kind of stumbling Can't around. Yeah. Um, 
But then the next morning rolls around and your body again says, hey, it's okay. Go ahead and get up and and start working again. Hmm. And so during the day, it was kind of weird to watch that happen. And um, some of the production crew after the fact told us that it was funny uh, because about nine or 10 o'clock at night would roll around. (laughs) And on both teams, we thought that we were being crazy productive, but in reality, we were, were walking zombies, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, I was told at one point in time, I was wiring the bike. I was told at one point in time, I walked up to the bike, I started messing with the wiring and getting some wiring done. And then I stopped it and I walked to something else. And in my brain, I thought I was, you know, jumping from one thing to another, taking a break from wiring, getting something else done. <laughs> and from what I was told, I walked up to the bike, fumbled with the wires, walked to, you know, the workbench and I started working on something else, but I wasn't working on it. I was just fumbling with it. And then I went back to just fumbling with the wiring and I got pretty much nothing done in the course of like 25 minutes. Um, but I thought I was being crazy productive. So, yeah. you know, I'd probably, I'd probably do sleep schedule, uh, next time around if, if I end up you know, getting the opportunity to do it a second time. Um, We noticed some other teams did that in in different episodes. You know, they would work like a, probably a good 12 hours or or more maybe, but then they would all take a nice little nap, you know, maybe four, six hours and how long they slept, but you could tell they had rested and come back ready to attack the next day. The, the hard part is the gamble. I mean, you're, you're giving up working time in order to rest. And so, you know, when we went and did it, we said, we're, going all in we're staying up for 72 hours we're gonna knock out a bike and it's gonna be awesome and that's just the way that it has to get done um but i think second time around we probably do a sleep schedule where there's two guys working on the bike at all times somebody's sleeping and one guy is sleeping um the first day has got to be tough especially when your parts running yeah someone's got to leave or a couple people have to leave and pick up stuff we all left yeah i think that was kind of smart yeah, so we're shopping left, together. And you guys all could, you know, discuss. Yeah. Not one person going, okay, this is what I'm getting. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we kind of made that decision so that we didn't, someone didn't go waste time getting parts and come back and we go, that's not the right stuff. You know, that's, you got all the wrong things. Um, so it was very, very interesting to watch how we did things. And it was, you know, looking back on it, a pretty big gamble, to be completely honest. We, we just left, went and thought we knew what we were needing to get and yep. got most of it and came back and started working on it. That front end though, um, you know, the way that TV kind of fast forwards things, uh, <laughs> that was a lot of work. And I was going to really say, I think TV, some people yeah. shed a tear when that was cut yeah, as the well. T- the TV, uh, the TV show kind of sped things up and it, it, it was a headache and there was a point in time, uh, in the TV show where, uh, Josh and I are talking about the fact that if we don't get this done, we might as well just sit down on the couches and drink beer yeah, until, I think, I think until I the show's over. Yeah. Um, and that, that was literally a decision we had made. If we didn't get it done by six o'clock the next morning that we would just say, screw it. There's, there's literally up. no yeah. way of, of getting this completed. Um, I had chopped up the original, uh, triple trees in order to take the, the original GS 550 steering stem out and, you know, graft it into that, mm-hmm. that front end, um, in order to get all of our, our setup, uh, done correctly. And then once we got it on there and figured out that the front end was, it was awesome how long it was, but it <laughs> threw off. <laughs> yeah. The float height was just going to be crazy far off and give us all kinds of problems. Um, 
And then we decided we had to chop the front end and there was two decisions, rake the neck or chop the front end. And we decided to go with a better handling bike by chopping the front end. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we pushed through it and it was pretty, that bike rides incredibly well for what it is. And, uh, during the, the test ride, what they don't show is that we actually hadn't found a shock for it yet. And so <laughs> it was a completely rigid bike. Rigid. Yeah. Uh, you know, the front end, we basically just welded a strut into the front end of the bike and, uh, went ripped around on it. So at least I knew when we swapped a shock into it, it wasn't going to get, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not going to, you know, fall apart. If, if it doesn't fall apart fully rigid, yeah. it should be all right. So that's funny. Yeah. Now, since you have the bike, is it plans to make any modifications to it, make it better? Or no, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I could, you know, chop it up and turn it into whatever I want kind of thing. But, um, I don't know, there's kind of a sentimental attachment to of it course, now, yeah. you know, we, we went through something pretty difficult and, um, you know, we did what we did and I don't want to yeah. detract from that. It's not currently street legal for Florida. So, um, I think the only things that I'll do to it is, um, you know, reliability and, uh, mechanical issues. Okay. Fix those up and make it street legal by adding the correct, you know, lighting on it, but keep it the exact same way that it was built and and chopper style. Right. Now I'm correct. Since the show, you get to keep the other one. So you got Craig's as well. I do have Craig's bike as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, if I was, if I was in the same position, I would want the opportunity to get it back. Um, but, uh, if he gets down here sometime, you know, maybe he'll, he'll take it back. But right now I've got it pushing around my shop, you know, I haven't, haven't fixed the ignition on it. So oh, it's, it's, it's just a bike that, uh, is kind of in the way as of right now. Yeah. So. yeah I was going to ask if you were going to, uh, give it back to him. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of, I, I'm, I'm fully open to that opportunity and, uh, he knows that. And if he gets down this way, you know, obviously the bike is not worth a whole lot of money. So paying for shipping and, you know, dealing with all that stuff, I've got to pay, uh, you know, the, the titling fees and everything else for state of Florida. So, um, he doesn't get to have his bike back and me front the money for yeah. it. So. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, he fronts the money. I mean, not, not to give up the bike. But no, he yeah. Back, he, you know, you know like, he, he knows that the opportunity is there to, to come get it if he wants it. And, um, but uh, as of right now, it fits my wife. She's five foot one and a half. And perfect. Yeah. So you can, can ride the two of them side by side. There we go. She, yeah. she rides too. So I told Craig, I'll probably just get it up and running. And, uh, you know, she'll get to rip around on his bike and I'll rip mm. around on mine. So. Well, I have a couple other questions and the audio listeners are not going to appreciate this, but we're going to get to see the bikes. Yeah. So let's take a peek. And I do, I just have a couple more on style, you know, while we're out there. Uh, So we had to take a little pause here because (laughs) this was so cool hanging out. Like I said, Justin's a cool guy to to chat with. And again, you know, feel like we could have, could have stayed there all day and, and we almost did. But before I get too far, I want to give Johnny Johnson props. He had some really well-thought follow-up questions as he was listening to what was going on. He had some nice follow-up. So good on you, John. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks. So let's go throw it over to you, Rico, because, I mean, you weren't there. Um, I think this is the first time you've listened to it, unless you listened to it before. What's your thoughts so far of what he had to offer? It's kind of neat to hear 
the backstory of the show, the thing, the parts that you don't you don't get when you watch this, when you watch that particular episode, just the sleep deprivation, uh, the stress involved, you know, just you know, not knowing. Um, I don't know if I missed a part of him and his crew just being together for the first time in the show. I, I don't know if I picked up on that initially. But to reach out and call somebody and say, hey, you want to be a part of this, blah, blah, blah. This is what's going on. And then, like you said, Rich, being able to jail through those stressful yeah. times in yeah. the build and actually get things done and just kind of work, you know, cohesively, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, to get things done and to come out of it, you know, stronger and better at the end. It was just amazing. And then, it, you know, it's. It, it was entertaining in itself just to hear him talk about the show and um, um, the bike and what he had to go through to build the bike. It was totally entertaining. I can so see um, <laughs> how 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 this is going to be just a, a bombshell when when people actually get to hear this. It's it's just cool to be able to hear this yep. um, outside of uh, the show, and um, it, I, I, it's a real nice validation to see, you know, you see someone on television or in a movie and you're never quite sure how they are. And and I know this, this show was, was meant to be sort of raw and real, but, but you're never quite sure. And then just like I said, hanging out in the garage, just confirmed like, yep, that that's who he is, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's the person we, you know, we met down at, yeah, at Barber. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You know, <laughs> the, as, as you see here and you listen to him talking and then listen to him uh, articulate uh, the whole thing and to see him on the show and put the two together, it's like, yeah, that's exactly what you picked up on. So it's kind of cool to get that. And he just seems like a real down to earth person. And I'm sorry I didn't get the chance to get down there and meet him. Well, yeah, and he is awesome, awesome sitting there, rider. And when we hit Barber Rico, it is going to be a fun event that weekend. I, with people that we have met over the last couple of years, and it seems like everybody's going to be going there to meet up. That's going to be some long nights. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. So bring lots of water because we're going to need <laughs> proper hydration. Camp, yeah, camping is going to be ridiculous i mean we we talked about that i don't remember if it was before we were recorded or after but you know we talked about what what justin likes about the event and you know he said it's it's a must for him now like every year and we're pretty much in that category although you know we have competing things that we'd like to do but i think we're pretty close to saying yeah that's that's got to happen every year it's, it's such a, a must. it's a cool crowd it's a cool vibe so many different yeah. bikes there. I just love it. And Justin yeah. nailed it on his comment. It's not Harley's. It's not Indian. It's not your Daytona. It's not your Sturgis. It's not your Myrtle Beach bike weeks. Yeah, it's not it's a bike week. everybody yeah. that just loves bikes yeah. and getting out. That's the crowd that's there. And that's the biggest piece that you, I, I have to say, it doesn't matter what you ride. You're welcomed. Yeah, and, and that's what Justin is on the same page. I think we all are as well. You know, no matter what you are, yeah. you know, you're out there riding. Let's go. Come as you are, they say. It's eclectic, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then I had a little, a little bit of a, not really a fan or celebrity moment. Well, yeah, I guess it was, but 
you know, my oldest yeah. son, Bryce, when I got back home, I started flipping through some pictures and I was like, you've seen this bike before, right? And he's looking at me. He's like, he's like, is that from Wrench? I was like, sure is. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, that thing's got a gnarly rake on it. He's like, that's the Jay Webster bike, isn't it? I'm like, yes, it's the Jay Webster no bike. Way. And then I showed him the picture of Justin in the garage and he was like, what? <laughs> you know, that, you know, when Justin looks at the back awesome. of this or here, just, I, I guarantee he's going to have a smile on his face with that. Cause yeah. you know, when you talk about your son and just making kids today follow track. Yeah. Yeah. We got to, we have to raise the next generation of, of bikers because I've said it before, as I ride around town, I don't see a lot of motorcycles and that's, that's sad to me. You know, I, I would like to see more people out there riding and, and getting some of the same joy that, that we experience. I mean, I, I know it's tough to ride around the city streets and when traffic is tough, a lot of people not paying attention. That's, that's a hard thing to deal with, but right. I just would like to see more people to ride and maybe we just need to be bigger advocates for, you know, this little passion of ours and, and get more people out on two wheels and, and three, if you must, but preferably two. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I see how you are. Throw me under the bus again. Well, you're, you're still welcome, but I'm just saying, you know, preferably two, but you know, three's okay. Yeah. yeah, you know he's out. I think you experience the same thing whether you're on two or three wheels. It's the same thing. You know, you're out there. You're you're dealing with the wind. You're dealing mm-hmm. with the rain. You're dealing with the the crazy drivers. You're dealing dealing with the twisties and the gravel and the uh, grass and the high. you're dealing with it all the same. You just got three wheels, but you still have to navigate through it, and you still appreciate. The sound of your motor, the wind blowing in your helmet, the peace and tranquility to get when you're riding, you you absorb it and it's tranquility, it's relaxing, it's therapeutic, it's it's everything, you know, it's everything, no matter what you're on. Unless you're unless you're sling, sitting in a slingshot, then that <laughs> does that count. <laughs> to to kind of throw a bigger piece on it is I have to be more aware of people because of the you guys can dodge stuff in a narrower range spot than me so you know rich can get in these little tight spots that (laughs) i'm not going to touch so so that's yeah there's a swerving and stuff so that's kind of a vantage point for you guys and a disadvantage point to me for you know my size so i see some of that struggle um you know, following John, you know, we kind of switched back and forth. You know, it wasn't like one person led all the way. We kind of switched back and forth. And, you know, it's tough. I can see when there's like a big hole in the road or something, it's hard for him to straddle that because if you miss it with the front tire, you might hit it with the back. Or if you're trying to miss yeah. it with the back, you might clip it with the front tire. So yep. I, I can see I where some that of that's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it takes a little practice and a little, you got to be aware you got this different situation. So it's not all the same yeah. there's different uh, requirements that you got to be aware of i'm so. guessing i'm guessing you probably favor tagging most of the big holes with the rear tire i would rather tag it with the rear in my opinion because otherwise thinking, then you're yeah. going to sign you know you're going to you could script alignment on the front tires well i'm just also thinking too of damage if you if you lose a front tire it's going to be harder to control versus if just the rear goes out 
You still have both front wheels to to steer. Yes. Good stuff. So there's a little bit more on our interview. This is really just, I will call after conversation, but it was funny listening back to this after the fact, my sort of gasp and awe when the trailer was open, like we weren't really recording then. We just kind of let it run and I'm holding it there while, you know, John was kind of helping Justin with the trailer and just listening back to this part, I cracked myself up earlier today. Oh yeah. So now I wonder when you see it, when you start to walk around the bike, uh, I'm sure we'll probably talk about it. It just seeing where they modify it. Yeah. The, the front end on this thing. So yeah, you'll hear some of it in the audio and I, I have some video of it as well. And we'll probably catch a little heat for not having a lot of pictures, but I was just in awe of seeing how much detail they were able to put into it in three days all the little parts that they fabricated, you'll hear Justin talk about that in a second. And just, like I said, de- attention to detail, all the things they modified, you know, not just the suspension, but they shaved the cases so it's nice and smooth. When you look at it next to the losing bike, John, help me, Rod. Was it Craig? Craig. Craig. Sorry, Craig Rodsmith. Um, when you look at Craig's bike next to Justin's, you're like, oh, these are different bikes because you can kind of see the name on the engine and stuff. And Justin's like, Oh no, we shaved that. We shaved those off. And it's like, Oh, you even modified that. It's like, wow. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I would figure, and I don't know for sure. I would figure that bike's going to be a barber. And also, sorry, I had to get the coin in the bucket. The other thing to notice Rico, when you look at pictures, I know you look at some, but if you dig in close, the wiring job, like the wiring on the Jay Webster bike is so clean. You hardly see any of the wiring. And then you look at, you look at the other bike and you're like, just wiring everywhere. The fuse box is exposed. <laughs> it's like oh, a hot mess really? in the wiring department. <laughs> hot mess. Well, this goes back to this part of walking around like zombies and mm-hmm. thinking you're doing all this <laughs> fancy yeah. work and you're just kind of fumbling around. So yeah, I see. And Craig's team, they had a lot of trouble. They had a lot of mechanical trouble with the bike. I mean, they had the carbs apart completely twice. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Getting it running, yeah. you know, and then shorting it out at the end. That had to be a heartbreaker. Uh, I, when he when he was welding that, I, I had that flashback. It's like, I hope he disconnected the battery before he started that. <laughs> I had that thought when he was welding that because, you know, I was adding in the sleep deprivation mm-hmm. welding and not really paying attention. Yeah. So I was hoping that he didn't fry it, but and they foreshadow it too. They they show it like catching, grabbing, and arcing, and him kind of yeah. like pulling it back. You're like, ooh, ooh, yeah, yep, cool. So yeah, let's finish this off, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit more about it, and then we've got a couple other topics. If you guys are still have some energy left, let's make it happen, Captain. Dude, that was awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. That paint is ridiculous. Yeah. Like you don't you don't get that vibe from the from the screen. No, it's actually, you know, in person I think it's a way cooler bike. Oh, this is gonna be ridiculous in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. The one of the neatest things I thought was 
when you guys just flip that part in the back, the rear part of the frame. Yeah. It's like, that's it, ingenious. Yeah, it turned out really, really cool. It kind of gives it that like, I don't know, trellis hardtail look to it. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a cool bike. And every time I, I look at it, I'm always kind of, you guys did a great job for the for the amount of time. It's like, yeah. I mean, I barely do my own maintenance, let alone yeah. cutting up a bike. And then you look at it. It's got a uh, that's a Sportster tank. So we cut the bottom out of the Sportster tank. Josh made up a a really quick tunnel for it and welded it all together. And handmade seat pan. And the funny oh. thing is, I told the guys, I was like. Uh, I'm in such awe. I'm just standing here like. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's talking about the bike. So there you go. There you, you know, I, I told the guys. I was like, the funny thing is, is that, uh, you know, I feel like it's going to be Josh and Chaston on the TV show building a bike, yeah. and everybody's going to be kind of like, "Where's Justin at?" Um, but it, it was really almost like two days straight that I was at the lathe making parts for it, and um, you know, for the front end um, and other various little things that a lot of people don't. You don't, you know, notice. don't, don't really notice. Like, yeah. you know, we really did the rear, rear sissy bar, right. You know, this, this little lug was actually machined mm -hmm. so that we had a place to mount it. We had two of them. Uh, so we had four total machines there. Oh yeah. That's super. And so it's, that. it's like, you know, the little stuff that you don't really get to see that you can't pick up those details. It was done. Yeah. It was done correctly. I mean, the bike was built correctly. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not anything that, uh, you know, that I'm, you know, ashamed to say, yeah, we built this bike or anything. I'm actually Absolutely. kind of proud that we we did what we did in, in 72 hours. How much was the tank cut? The entire tunnel was taken out of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the entire bottom end is is was made. That's a good look, though. Like, yeah. just leaving it raw like We that. actually That's had so a cool. we had a big uh, Mustang-style tank, um, but uh, we ended up saying that was too big because it just was monstrous on this little bike. And uh, when we ended up going with a little sporty tank on it. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's definitely turned out really well. When I, when I put the team together, I knew that there wasn't going to be enough time to do some crazy, you know, awesome paint job. You got three days to do it. And really, the things that you want to make sure that you do is a really big transformation in three days. That's a lot of fabrication work. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately the painter always gets the raw end of the deal. It's um, like, well, now that we're done, you've got three Yeah, hours. exactly. So, uh, <laughs> Chaston is, you know, very well known for his hand painted stuff, his pinstriping. Um, and you know, he's just a crazy awesome, uh, artist. And so, uh, you know, when I, when I called him up, I, I kind of knew that I wanted to just do some cool hand painted stuff on it. Yeah. And I never saw that coming out of him. I mean, you know, we, it's we, just enough, the gold yeah, leaf, the black. And that, perfect. that, that was all Chaston. And we basically got done building the bike. He got the tank in like, I don't know, an hour or two before the show was supposed, <laughs> you know, the, the clock ran out and we basically were like, just do something. Chaston, just just do this. And uh and he did, man. I mean he really he really knocked it out of the park. He drew it on there, gold leafed it and pinstriped it in like two hours. Um the down tubes, mm -hmm. the legs for it, and then uh it had the links and everything. 
but it had the shock was functional no it didn't it didn't that, have that that ended up being Wooly actually told us about it it's actually a <laughs> vw beetle shock oh no kidding so we just we knew we needed the length and we needed something that could support the front end of it and it felt like the right spring rate apparently it's uh it's a vw um and if i remember this is from a mustang yeah am i right yeah so it's a grill light out of a like a 65 or a, so a rare one too yeah this is a- so it uh, ended up being, being a pretty cool bike, and it's, I mean, it's really got truly vintage stuff on it. So not only did they tell us to build a vintage chopper, um, you know, in, in vintage-inspired, Easy Rider-inspired chopper, we literally built a, you know, a vintage chopper with all vintage parts. The, like I said, this front Dunlop, that's, you know how hard that thing is. It's like, it, it's right out of the 50s. It's still got a little bit of dry oh, rod said, on the side. you said this was new open stock, right? Yeah, so it's a it's a legitimate, <laughs> a legitimate old vintage Dunlop front tire. And only a rear brake, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Only yeah. only rear brake, no no front brake <laughs> on a, it. And a drum at that. At a, yeah, and a drum. <laughs> so it, we had, uh, we, we were doing the test riding, and uh, they had us out there ripping around, and production crews, you know, tells you, you know, give it everything, blah, blah. You know, obviously they want it, they want to, hear to, it. to look good and yeah. sound good when you're ripping around on it. And, um, but the area that we were doing it at, uh, you know, wasn't, you don't have all that much room. Um, so it, it locks up pretty quick being a drum break. So this higher works though. Now that you see it, it does. I mean, I, I think it's, it's like a little tractor. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Josh, <laughs> Josh is super happy with the bike too. Once we got it all done, he's, he's super happy with it. Chaston is, you know, ecstatic on it. Um, after the TV show, we got the bike back, um, down here. Chaston lives up in Georgia and, um, he was down here for the turkey rod run, um, during Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I had just received the bikes back. And, uh, there was some stuff that had gotten messed up between when we left there and when we got the bikes back. So he touched up the gold leaf on it just to kind of fix their little areas. Um, but it's exactly the way that it was when we wrapped our 72 hours. Yeah. So John and I were talking on the way down here. I'm slowly being warmed over to some technology with the little intercom system and that I was, you hate. I was, it's okay. It works. Yeah. <laughs> it's functional. It let's say that. Let, let's put it that way. If you had more time, do you think you would do anything different? I, I, you know, myself and the guys on the team, we really, if they said you had a week, <clears throat> right. You I have a solid we week, would, man. It, you know, it, we, we talked about this kind of in depth. I think we probably would have focused more on, on our finishes. And right. I think we would have focused more, uh, and but, done, but stylistically, done that's stylistically, I think yeah. we would have ended up with this. Uh, we had plans on doing a pretty radical exhaust too. We wanted to do like a giant four finger exhaust coming <laughs> out the back and stuff. Um, so we had other plans that we wanted to do, but we just didn't have enough time to complete them. Um, but I think ultimately we would have arrived at the same, the same bike. It just would have been more detailed more finished and, yeah, more, yeah. more finished and it would have probably had a few little you know add-ons to it but hmm. the stuff that we originally planned to do we would have done it but i don't i don't think we would have changed much of anything on it my brother has uh, a bike similar to this he has a gs850 mm-hmm. but i think it's a gl mm-hmm. is the actual model so 
I sent him that episode, this episode right away. I was like, Kenny, you could end up with something that looks like that. <laughs> sure, yeah. He couldn't believe it. And he could do it in three days too. Well, I mean, it's been done. He's pretty handy. Yeah, you've, you've set the mold. <laughs> That's true. Uh, oh, well done. Thanks. So let's uh, let's pull Craig's out of there so that way you guys can see Craig's. I'd have been afraid, I think, if I saw that tank. <laughs> if I saw <laughs> I was, someone hammering that thing out. I was sweating it. <laughs> like, I, I was not uh, not having me? an easy time watching him make a tank and, and rear fender and everything else for it. And... Uh, just taking it easy, man. I was I was sweating pretty hard. Yeah, it's bad enough. It's like, oh, they're doing a tank. Oh, wait a minute. They're doing a fender. Yeah. It was definitely one hell of an experience. It was it was pretty pretty incredible. That what a score on that. The person who did the seat. Yeah, that, that that was pretty incredible when the guy walked in with that I was thinking to myself, I was like, there's no way he paid <laughs> he paid that. He got an incredible deal. Well, how much did he pay for? I can't remember. Local <clears throat> yeah. Or closer. Yeah. I think he knew the guy or something like that. <laughs> well weren't they mostly in that area anyways? Is that where they are Craig? Around? Well that their team. Did they have people local that they No, were? Craig all all of Craig's team is uh from up in the like the Chicago area. Okay. Too much. Definitely, you can see the new rear shocks, though. Yeah, it's like yeah. There, there's certain things that stand out. The they new go, part. Yeah, they, they go. Oh, that's that's brand new. And so, like on ours, you know, with all the vintage stuff, was you know the crusty old tail light that we've got, and you know yeah, stuff like that. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. I, I sense a few burnouts. Yeah, that's had cool. a, had a couple done. Proper. Yeah. Proper. Well, I think they did it on the show. I think Roland probably did it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was I was kind of interested to see, you know, I'm I'm interested now to know what um you know, what their what their true thoughts are. You know, to to hear Yeah, what, you'd, you'd like to just get them out to a pub for a little while. Yeah, drink a beer and, and have them tell me it. how horribly, you know, the the bike rode for them or, you know, what kind of issues they ran into or anything yeah. else or if they did. I you know, to this day I still I still don't know, you know, what the what the story is behind, uh, you know, their test ride or anything. Do you know what these were from? No, I, I think idea? I'm pretty sure that they, uh, they're like art deco styled table legs. I was also yeah. guessing a possible bed rail. Yeah, that, that could know, be like it too. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I know we found four of them. Uh, we, oh, okay. we, we made, um, the sissy bar out of them and we were going to make, uh, highway pegs, uh, for the front matching highway pegs for the front. So you kick your legs out. Uh, but that again, we've ran out of time. So that was kind of the things that had to get thrown out in order to actually get a running riding bike. Yeah. But Well, thanks for bringing them out. We appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. And there it is. So the interview in the garage was cool enough. And then we walk outside and we get to see both bikes. Just an amazing day. An amazing start to the trip on the way to Daytona, which was a great weekend. Riding, thousand over a thousand miles of riding with John. Got to spend time with my mom and dad. Went to the Rolex 24. Hung out with Justin for a couple of hours. What a weekend. I mean... I was on a high for like three days after that trip. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm still, I'm still kind of, you know, soaking in everything from the trip as I go back through pictures. And now I'm starting to look at video and putting the audio together for the show. It's just, that was a weekend. 
Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And I'm kind of sad that I wasn't there That's to be a part of it. <laughs> I'm trying to go. Yeah, I'm trying not to rub that in too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about there and I was live and I did not hear the gasp live, you know, while I was there with Rich until the show. He's talking about he gasped. And then when he soon as he said I'm like, I wasn't even paying I didn't even pay attention to hear him like the awe of just seeing this bike. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It just I don't yeah, you know, watching that. the show like I mean you know, I think part of it too is is just honestly it's my kids. Person. Well it's my kids. They've They've watched it so many times. They talk about all the different builders and all the different bikes. They know them all by name. They know their names better than I do. Wow. And, and then getting to see the bike in person, I think I was just like, oh, it's like, I kind of felt it for them too. You know, I'm like, my yeah. boys would lose their mind if they were here. Right. And, it, you know, I'm kind of sad I could didn't bring them down in the car, but, you know, maybe next time I'll get them to tag along if we head to Florida again. Yes, when you back by, if you still have the bikes there, you know, if it's not in some show somewhere or some exhibit, you know, they'll get to see it. Yeah. We'll have to find another one of the winners and go and chase them down, see if we can look at the bikes. Yeah, this this was great. And to be able to see it on a show, then to have them, you know, just talk about their experience and get the backstory of all, everything that happened is pretty cool. So, yeah, we got to do this again. Yeah, it brought it home. And I'm I'm an advocate for the show. So, you know, we encourage people to check out the Esquire network and definitely watch Wrench Against the Machine, you know, share it on social media, write to people, you know, tell everyone you can because we want to see another episode. We want to see more of this type of content on, on TV other than oh, yeah. some of that other nonsense that's out there nowadays. All right. This is like almost reality type real bike building at its best yeah yeah it seems like reality without the drama that goes with reality right if that's a thing <laughs> yeah because you know i think it's nice because you only have 72 hours to build yeah. this thing so it's such all a the short, other drama yeah it's such a short time frame there's no there's no time to really script a whole lot of drama it's just you got to get right. down to business Right, and I think that's what's that's the uniqueness of the show, and I think that's going to be the draw of it because yeah. really we don't need all that drama. A lot of people don't like a lot of drama in their lives anyway, so to just be, you know, knuckles deep into building the bike and seeing how they do it and what they envision the bike should be, yeah. or coming together to build a bike that's going to be unique and different, and uh, you know, start a new trend almost. And this is building. Yeah. And this show, I think this, this really spotlights real builder skill like this. This brings out the craftsmen and people because there are many, many talented builders out there that can pull this off if given enough time and resources. But I mm -hmm. think that pressure of just such a short amount of time, a very short amount of money yeah. you know to buy parts so you really you're really forced to make parts and and make do with what you have yeah, so you almost have to be innovative of how you handle your build you know to be able to save costs and everything so it's really neat and i think this what really unites your creativity when you only have a certain amount of money a certain amount of yeah. time when you're stretched 
when you're stressed, you're going to come up with something. You're going to make do. And like you said, he did everything where it works. It's functional. It's strong enough, you know. So he really put thought of yeah. the thought into just building a really good bike. And, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't there to see it, but I'm sure it was there in person where you were able to see, yeah, they did a great job on this bike. Yeah. I got some video for you, brother. I got you. I appreciate that, my friend. Appreciate it. <laughs> the other thing that he mentioned, and I don't think we covered it on this, it's in the recording, was the fact that his or their episode was the one that was mainly focused on a specific bike or a style. They were the only style. ones given the style, you know. So that was kind of an interesting twist that they nobody else had. So yeah, yeah. I he, think. It's, go ahead. No, I was gonna say we had some. Some suspicion. I think it started with Zion from the the riders group was saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, first five rider. Let me get the title straight." <laughs> I think he was the one who said, "Hey, the last episode felt like the pilot," and and Justin said, "Yeah, that was that was true. the The first episode was the pilot, or the the last episode that they that aired was the pilot, and the first episode they aired was the last show." Yeah, the first was last, the last was first. So yeah, I think, I don't know. I mean, we could probably talk about this all night. I don't know that the listeners necessarily want to hear that. Uh, oh, I know there's a couple of listeners that would want to see. I'm sure the truckers wouldn't mind one bit. So we, we got your back in the downshift, at least those that are that are in the riders group. So uh, I guess, John, we'll, uh, I'll start with you. Your final thoughts on the time we spent with Mr. Jay Webster. Oh, man unbelievable cool guy again kudos thank you his uh dog axe axel who dug halfway to china in his front yard which yeah is crazy i mean it, it was just so cool to hang out with him and i'm ready to go to i'm ready to meet up with him in october again and just chill and and rico can be there and just meet him and and see his bikes and what he does and See him grow over the years, and I, I wish him the best, and I think he's going to go a long ways. Oh yeah, I for, almost forgot that that Rico didn't did not see him in Birmingham because we had separated at that point, doing different things. So that yeah, John and I were were walking by, and and we saw that beautiful CB. Yeah, I think I think was I no, it was before I did the um. Yeah, you were either doing swap meet or you had headed off to, I think, Ace's Corner, maybe in advance of us or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, you were off in another direction at that time. Oh, and before we forget about this, talking about one other thing, he's making an awesome little pit bike. Oh, yeah. Did you get a picture of that? Yeah, I got a picture of that. Wow, that'll be cool. Yeah, check out the show notes, loudpipes.net slash 75. Cool pictures. All right, I guess we'll turn it over now to Mr. Hogan. Your your final thoughts on what you heard tonight? I don't know if, like I said, if this was your first time hearing that interview all the way through or not. Any final thoughts or any other questions? Anything you want to know? Well, well, unfortunately, he's not there to answer. He's not here to answer him, so we'll have to have him on the show live so I can ask my side of it. But yeah, I think it's a truly entertaining episode when you actually have a builder talk 
you know, a builder who won, <laughs> you know, this particular episode um, and, you know, talk about his, his experience, what he had to go through, the ups and downs of the whole situation, the the result uh, of having both bikes at his location, you know, to be able to see and look at and, you know, drool over it or, or not drool, whatever. It's just, you know, good to know that you know, he, he came out of the show just reignited, I guess, you know, re-sparked that fire in his, in his, in his work and that he does. And like he said, he's like, um, now he knows he can build a bike in 72 hours if he had to, you know, he has that right courage now to know that he can't do that. And from that, from this point on, it just kind of let him, you know, push him even more to, to, work harder to get things done uh, when he's just exhausted and know he can push through that and come out, you know, ahead. So I think it was a great opportunity for him to, to go to this, go through this and come out, you know, a winner. Yeah. And I guess, you know, my final thoughts, I'm, I'm not going to restate everything from before, but other than to just thank Justin again for his hospitality, you know, having us in for our conversation and, you know, maybe we'll get him back either, you know, when he has an, another bike to announce or maybe as we get ready to head back down to Barber, we'll have him come back. And one other thing to pump for Justin is do check out his site. If you're looking for CB parts that he sells and makes and he actually showed us the bell taps covers. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah, we have a picture of, of some of those that we took. We'll put that in the show notes as well. We got any events coming up, Rich? Any more events? I mean, we we just got back from Daytona. We got anything to look forward to? Yeah, just quickly, we'll talk about sort of things we're looking at. Um, It's it's all still basically up in the air, but uh, the American Flat Track Race will be in Charlotte April 1st. Uh, John's going to the mountains with the V-loggers April 7th through 9th. Uh, We may do something this summer that's still on the fence. Uh, Motorcycle Podcast Challenge again sometime between May and September. Again, still figuring that out. And everything else is tentative except for, of course, Barber. And one more in the cup. All right. I think that's about $10 tonight for that. I think so, yeah. This desk is really getting a nice bow to it. Everybody's probably getting sick of us talking about it. Probably. And we would like to take a moment to thank the Riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. That would be our first five riders, Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion. We have our barbershop rider, Chuck. Thank you. And the riders group, we have Steve, Mike, Micah, Mark, and Jim. And let's not forget the insider, Kenny, bringing up the rear. Loudpipes.net slash donate is the place to be if you want to check that out. And loudpipes.net slash store is where you can get all of your show swag. Shambilla. Yeah, man. Stands up, Johnny John. Yeah, man. Let's get out of here. Let's do this. All right. Take care, everyone. If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate.